0: Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by BGC Basketball.
1: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Hardwood Hustle. This is TJ Rosine. Alongside me today is Sam Allen filling in for Adam Bradley. And we've got a multi-part series coming in here, and we're going to talk about uh, a journey through a season. So we just wrapped up our season. We won the NCCAA uh, National Championship, National Christian College Championship, um, and a really fun journey, uh, a roller coaster, adverse uh, season uh, that ended in obviously a joyous way. But uh, we're going to journey through the season just to talk about the the ups and the downs, just like you as coaches go through uh, with your seasons. And there's, there's highs and there's lows, and how did we deal with those? And uh, what did we do in the moments when we were high and the moments we were low? But Sam, we're going to start out and just going through the entire journey. And, and uh, this part one, we're going to cover off really like the building of a team in the beginning and the preseason uh leading up to the actual regular season so this should be a fun a fun conversation here i look forward to coaches getting an inside look of, of what's going on for those of you that don't know sam it's one of our directors at pgc he also runs blue collar basketball uh, we also not only played together we coached together um in college and gosh when i look back when we first coached together and in, in college just um so many uh things that we didn't know you know and so much to learn about about coaching and and so many mistakes that we made and so many good things we did
2: too that we just learned along the way but uh let's journey through that uh, first part of the season absolutely tj excited to talk about this with you i just want to start off with asking you a question that i think might serve all those listening but you know, as you look back to your preseason, when your guys arrive on campus, maybe this is for high school coaches when school first start, Walk us through like that first week. Um, what are you doing with your team? How do you get acclimated with them? You've recruited. You got some that are returning in their fourth year, third, second. You got all these different classes, uh, but just talk talk us through maybe those first we that first week or first few weeks.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting. I think well, first of all, like. You know, all of our coaches listening. It's not much different. You know, they got a new crop of freshmen coming in, and uh, they've got some guys that have been there two years and three years, and some of them four years. And um, you know, I, I think I think one of the things that's real for all coaches is we all start the season with really high hopes and aspirations. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're zero and zero, and um, you, you know, you're thinking this is going to be the year, and you want to uh, turn things around, or you want to keep things going, and it's just a lot of excitement. In the gym, and I think that one of the things that I'm always conscious of is um, after having been through a lot of battles, I've been a head college coach for 16 years now, is like not just what am I thinking, but what are the players thinking, you know, and I think that's a really interesting thought to think about is because um, a lot of those players, I mean, let's say you have 15 players on the team, and that moment in time, they're all pretty sure they're going to play 30 minutes a game, and they're all pretty sure it's going to be a great year for them. And uh, having been through that journey, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Mm -hmm. like that. So that's one of the things that I really try and operate from a place of, hey, what's going to happen over the next eight months, You know, which is an interesting thought process to go through.
2: Well, when you say that, so is that a – you know, because some people might interpret that as a, you know, not an optimistic viewpoint. If you're going in already thinking everybody, you know, isn't going to have a positive experience, but you, you don't look at it that way. You're looking at it as a realistic approach, but you are optimistic. How do you balance in both those worlds?
1: You know, so man, it's really crazy. You know, we were in the hotel at the at the championship, and and uh, Graham is. Uh, was telling me, he's like, "Do you realize that in for the last seven years we've played in a national championship game, whether it's at the NAI level or the NCAA level?" I was like, "It's pretty crazy just to yeah. to think of of playing your last game for a championship, you know." Yeah. And um, but I've also had plenty of years. I mean. Very fortunate to have that many. Most people never play in a championship game, you know, mm-hmm. and so obviously I count my blessings there. But I've also had other seasons where it didn't end that way, and there's other things that happen. There's adversity, and it didn't yeah. finish the way that you wanted to. And so I think about like with um, all, all of the all of the players and the journeys. It's not really, I wouldn't say a pessimistic view. It, it's just a realistic view of what's about to happen on this journey, like. First of all, you're not going to win a championship without a ton of adversity. Mm-hmm. And you're also um, not going to have a bad season without a ton of adversity. So the one thing we know about coaching basketball is there's going to be adversity. And so what I think people you know make a mistake or drop the ball a lot on is the uh, it's it's almost kind of like marriage. You know, we've had this conversation before, right? You first get married and everything's shiny and new and feel good, right? You know, and honeymoon, then you're on a honeymoon, yeah. right? And then eventually that stuff wears off. And then what really happens? So I think basketball is a lot like that. I mean, when you say at the end of the day, you, you know, everybody comes in, you get your new sneakers, you get your new gear, and everybody's happy and ready to play and parents all love you. And, it, you know, it's just this fresh new start. But then, you know, after a little while, the, that honeymoon is
2: over. Yeah, that, that happens after the first game when playing time, you either didn't play as much as you want or you didn't score as much as you want. Or you thought you know another guy got more shine or or more love from the coach, and that's usually when it starts. But let, let's let's rewind for a second. Let's go back to that that preseason from a coach's office, from your you know bird's eye view. You're thinking, okay, you're you're excited, but you're also realistic, and and you know sourcing it from there. You know, I think you know going back to what you referenced earlier in our early days, we would have probably been in the office talking about. You know, the offense and the defense we're running, that's a that's a component. But I would say that office conversation for you today is a lot different. You're covering that, but you're also thinking, hey, we got this personality um, hey Micah You're going to need To really invest Or Graham That's a kid You're going to need To connect Are those some Of the conversations You're having
1: Yeah and I, I think It's kind of like You know um, Gosh there's so many Cliche quotes That go in here But you know It's it's kind of like It's you know It's all good till somebody Gets punched in the mouth Well that's going to happen Like you lay all these plans On how you want to yeah. Mentor kids But then something Is going to happen And it's going to Go down a different course And something's going to Happen in their life And I think you know Sometimes you know Those best laid plans are definitely going to derail at some point, mm. right? And so that's why I think just level setting when we're talking about uh, over the course of a season, like whether I'm pessimistic or optimistic, right? Like just, it's just more level setting, like knowing that this stuff is going to happen. I mean, level setting, even on offense and defense of X's and O's, you know, like you you learn all year long and you find these new things are going to happen in your offense and your defense. And they seem great on, on paper and they seem great in the coaches meetings. And then you get in there and they just don't happen, you know, that way. I'll give you a prime example, just X as an O's uh example is, you know, we had been really good defensively um mm-hmm. over the last I don't know, eight, ten years, you know, top two, three in the conference, a lot of times number one in field goal percentage defense, points allowed. So we decided to make a huge emphasis on the offensive end, uh, where we've been pretty good too, running the read and react offense and we've been pretty good but we're like man we feel like we can stop people so we we put a lot more time into the offense and we try to get a little bit more gimmicky defensively and man our i mean our season was off to a really bad start we'll get there in a minute but we we gave up 100 points five times in like the first 12 games Mm -hmm. and we'd only done that one time in the previous eight years and so everything we had figured out and drawn up in the office and why we'd be okay defensively. These guys are older and they know, and it was a great lesson for me, but, you know, that didn't happen. But there, there's no doubt, like, uh, you don't know what situations are coming um, with your players, but the one thing you do know is they're coming. And so I think what you go is try and, and, and lay some expectations, but also um, try and build out a, a plan for your culture and in and laying – it's probably the most important time – for laying the foundation of what your culture is going to be like,
2: yeah. So when you're laying that foundation, you know, before a ball is ever passed or the first out of bounds play is put in, what do you what do you want to establish with your team? Like, yeah. What's your culture? Because you know, you do a good job of, you know, you set your sights on what you want the end of it to look like, and then you reverse engineer. Like, I think, you you know, you do that from a place of who you want to be as a coach, a man, a husband, all that, right? So, how are you building out that culture? What do those meetings look like? What are those, um, you know, chemistry-building activities, yeah. if there such exists?
1: Well, you know, Sam, you've been through it, too, and you got to lay that. I mean, you got to lay that every year with your – you lay it individually with each player you train and then you lay it with your, your teams that are going to play in the summer. And, and, and I think we're always, and if you hire new assistant coaches, you lay a new foundation. I don't think you, you ever stop doing that, Yeah, you know, and, and build that the one probably, I think this is probably really important for coaches to help. Cause one of the things we want to do on here is empower and help coaches, you know? And I think one of the, um, Most important things that you could probably learn or take away from 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 this episode is is probably the fact that uh, at some point it really doesn't matter what you tell them and what you say is going to happen. It really matters what you can get them to believe in and buy into. You know, Mm -hmm. so I think probably one of the most common mistakes made in laying the foundation in the preseason is you have all these things that you are going to tell them they need to do. And I just think oftentimes that backfires. And, and I you know, um, when I go into the preseason, I'm thinking about what can we collectively as a group start setting standards and expectations for ourselves of, of how we want the season to be. And I need for them to have input on this. You know, they've got to have some buy-in because, it you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter all the dreams and aspirations you have for your program if they're not buying into that. And I really think it's it's a lot better when you allow them to, you know, co- contribute to the process.
2: So on the way over here, I was listening to a podcast, um, you know, guy that, you know, Brennan Sur's podcast. And he was talking about, uh, with a coach on there, that at the college level, it's oftentimes passed down. College coach, you know. Is passing on all their beliefs, and at the pro level, when that you know, and a lot of it, you know, money players are getting paid a lot of money, and it's more of a partnership. And he even talked about his days coaching, like with Mike Fratello or Hubie Brown, where they might have been more college coaches than he got going with uh, Chuck Daly, and it was more a partnership. So that's what you're speaking to—that how do you get it to be a shared vision? <laughs> but we we both know too, you're manipulation isn't the right word you know but you're also trying to get across to them your vision but you want them to be enrolled in that vision
1: yeah well i think that's a really good question I, um and i think it's a long answer so what we're going to do is we're going to um take our halftime and get a communication tips from our friends at team snap and we're going to dive into probably one of the most important questions we'll ever answer is how do you make that happen
0: Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. Coaches, I have a question for you. How often are you having daily conversations with your players about things that have nothing to do with basketball? Think about life, family, faith. Are those conversations happening with your players? Are they happening 5% of the time, 20% of the time? Is your conversation 50% basketball and 50% things outside of basketball? I don't think there's a set percentage that it needs to be, but I do know you need to evaluate and make sure the conversations that you're having do not strictly revolve around basketball. There needs to be a healthy balance as you try to get to know them and get them to know you and build that trust that coaches and players need to have with one another. Conversations have to extend beyond basketball. If right now you think it's maybe only 5, 10, 15, 20% of the time, Maybe this will be the week that you challenge yourself to enhance that, to add to that, and build upon things that you've been doing in the past. Just want to encourage you, and best of luck this week, coaches. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about their communication app that is being used by over 15 million people across the globe. It can help change the game for your team and bring everyone on the same page, organizing schedules with your parents, players, and staff.
1: All right, Sam. So the question you asked me was, you know, how, how do you get shared vision? You know, in the NBA level, it's more like a partnership because of all their money they're making. And in college, you often hear that it's passed down from the coach down. Because You know, I got a scholarship to hold over their head. They're going to do what I say, you know. And, and in high school, it could be playing time or it could be shared partnership, could be any of those things. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't claim to know, you know, the right way to do everything i just i do know that i enjoy coaching i do know i enjoy the journey and uh, i do know that we've gotten a lot out of our players as a culture and as winning and losing um, by having shared vision and um, so I, I got a couple of, of things that I think uh, that really help on that And one is I spent a lot of time thinking about that you know you and I have a lot of conversations about this like how do you build culture how you do. so if there's things that I feel like are um, a necessity to our program which is like they're not picking, but I know that we have to have these things. I will spend a lot of time early on preaching why they're important to a championship. You know, mm-hmm. like, here's why. And I'll, I'll pull up videos, and players said this, and coaches said that, and um, we'll have players from the previous year, I'll ask to talk about that. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we had a good run, and here's one of those things. So, like, for instance, for instance, um, like, consistency. Like, it's really, you know, it's a really hard thing for young people to do. Be consistent. Show up every day and be the same person, the same player that gives the same effort. And so when you say a catch word like consistency, they're not like really excited about it. Mm-hmm. But you know you've got to have it in a championship environment, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, I don't know that the NBA coaches are, are better because they engage in those partnerships. Honestly, I think they're a little bit – hands are tied. They have to be in a partnership, you know, with those players because oftentimes the players don't like you, they you know, they let you go. Whatever. But but it's I think it's a whole different feel – when you engage in a partnership of mutual agreement between players and, and coaches, and, uh, and 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 I know a lot of our coaches that I've been dealing with lately that I've been talking to have been struggling with this, and I think to me this is a really important point. I know that we're we're covering a lot of information, but the, the times that I see um, consistency, for instance, fall apart is when there's a lack of accountability, and uh, that's the follow up part. When you've decided how things are going to play out, what you agreed on the partnership. The, the level of accountability is, is huge. It's crucial.
2: Uh, players are watching whether coaches hold play, other players accountable and really live out what they say they're going to do. And if we say it matters, you know, I was just in the gym yesterday with a, with a group of athletes, and we are talking about this very thing, and you got all over their locker room these different uh, banners with the pillars of their program. And I said, guys, this is great. I love what you got in here. But if we don't live it out, it's just wasted money. And we put money into banners and, and catchy phrases and sayings. And so let's actually identify. So we went through the five pillars of the program. It was a really good we, – we spent about 30 minutes on it. And I realized, and I think the high school coach that was watching me take his team through it, I think he realized these kids, they have these um, phrases like commitment to excellence and um, collective responsibility but nobody really knew what those mean. So like mm-hmm. defining it to your point, then being accountable is such a key piece. And l- I'll go a step further because you know, the thing that a lot of high school coaches that are listening to this is you got to enroll the pl- at your level, you don't have to do this as much cause you just got your guys, right? And they're away from their home. Some of them live, you know, from another country or from another part of the, um, the another part of the United States. But you know who we got to enroll is parents. And I don't know if we want to go too far down that road, but high school coach, that's a really big piece to enrolling in your vision and getting them to buy in, you know, because kids are at the dinner table. Kids are in the car riding home and to and from practicing games. And and if the parents aren't a part of that message, they could erode and, you know, you know, negatively influence what that kid's thinking.
1: Yeah, well, I think... I think it goes back to the very beginning of what we were talking about here. And you asked me, you know, about like whether it was a pessimistic view or, you know, it doesn't sound too optimistic when you're thinking about all the adversity you got to go through. I think probably one of my strengths as a coach, biggest strengths as a coach, is just the ability to be strategic. And when you're strategic, I think one of the things that you think about in the very beginning are what do we need to do to be the best team we can be? And what are the possible adverse things that are gonna come our way? And so I think at every level, no matter where you're at, like when I think about the adversity that might come our way, well, first of all, I use experience to think about all the times in the past, what has hurt us, Mm -hmm. and what can we do, right? And so if I'm a high school coach, and, and you know, I mean, even in college, you have to think about that. But if I'm a high school coach, one of the things I think about is like, what has derailed us? What has hurt us in the past? And inevitably, I think most coaches probably will say parents at some point had a problem with that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I think what you're saying alludes exactly what I say said in the beginning is like, if you're if, you know, adversity's coming. Well, maybe it's coming at the high school level from parents. So if you don't have a plan for that and you think that that honeymoon's gonna last forever when you have that first parent meeting, right, and you tell everybody... You know, hey, your son or daughter is going to do this. Is this how I expect you to act? And they're like, oh, of course, we'll be great. And they're still believing their kids are going to play 40 minutes, right? And the kids are still believing they're going to play 40 minutes or 32 minutes or whatever it is. And the coaches really feel like everybody's going to be happy because we're winning all the time. And, everyone, you know, and everybody, everybody just has this utopia feeling. But that's not it. I mean, it does, that's not basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I really think a lot of people get disillusioned and disappointed by it because it doesn't play out that way. But if you coach long enough, it, it just never plays out that way. And I, one of the things I've learned over time is to engage and uh, um, welcome adversity as part of the process. And I think for what you just talked about with parents, like it, it's probably going to be part of your adversity, right? It's probably going to be part. And you know, we, we'd have to spend a whole other episode on all the different things you need to do with parents and things you can do. But honestly, even if you lay the best foundation in the world, you're still going to deal with it. You know, you're still going to be dealing with it at some point. Um, You know, we we may have implemented the offense perfectly, but we're going to deal with things that go wrong in the offense.
2: So two things that stand out to me that you brought up there that I want to touch on as we close this one out is you talked about pain points as a coach, being aware. what, What are the pain points I had previous years? What derailed us? And then that allows you to better prepare for them coming up, right? So being aware of that. Second thing you brought up, TJ, I think I think is important. Um, what I'm hearing from you is you, your your structure. You're going to build a foundation on some like non-negotiables but you also have the flexibility to know there's going to be some things I might have to maneuver like you talked about from a strategic offensive defense you had to adjust y'all gave up all these points early in the season but then there's some things you know that you're probably not going to waver on that are non-negotiables maybe that's being a great teammate or you know bringing great effort in practice so you know can you speak to that a little bit where do you, where do you draw you know, rigidness as a coach, which I think is a, a real strength for a lot of coaches to be rigid in certain areas. But then number two, where are you flexible?
1: Yeah. I, gosh, I think that changes every year, right? But, you know, I think – so, I mean, if we're, we're going through the preseason right now. So, one of the things that I think is really, you know, important is, like, when, when we go in, like, one of the things we usually use is about five, seven, eight, ten days – before we ever get on the court just laying out like expectations and getting them to you know talk about what they want the season to look like and it's probably different for every level you know i i tell you one important thing that we do with our young people every year is is trying to have some young women speak to our guys because it's a point of you know they're 18 to 22 years old and you know, there you, you see all this stuff going on with, you know, uh me too and all like that's I, I know right away that they're young men. I've been in that situation and made enough mistakes to know myself that there's a better way to do things, but a lot of times they just never know. And so I see that as a possible derailment for a young person. And so that's something we address. And one of the things I think we've done every year is try and make a list of all the things that we need to address. And usually every year we find a new one that we didn't address mm-hmm. and we keep building on those things. So I think, um, I think you have to to break it into pieces. And I think that, uh, you know, there's uh those there's things those things like that that serve them and i want them to know we're here to serve you like so i always come from like this is why we're doing this because we care about you we love you and we don't want you to make these mistakes you know Mm. and then i think those are things that they they listen to because they they know that you're coming to a place of helping them then you know where are the places that you need to get rigid and where are the places you need to have flexibility well i think we all over time i mean for instance you know uh at the end of the day, like. I tell guys, like, I'm, I'm pretty easy to play for if you if you do a couple things. If you play really hard and you're a great teammate. Now, derail from one of those things, and you're going to catch some rigidness from me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that they know that. Now, you want to talk about wearing hats when we go places, and you want to talk about headphones and jewelry and phones and, and tattoos and whatever. Like, to me, I, to me, they're not as big a deal. Those are a matter of the heart. You know, like, if, if, if their heart's right, I'm not really concerned with what they're wearing, how they're looking, but some people do feel like that's important, you know, and there are lessons to be taught in what you wear. Perception. Yeah, yeah. perception becomes reality, and there's times that we do that. So, you know, for instance, when we just, you know, got back from the – you know, or, or in the preseason, like, hey, when we go to chapel, look, here, here's what we we expect you to wear. You know, I, I'm really much more concerned with what you learn and what you hear, um, but, but we also do need to look decent for this particular reason, that particular mm-hmm. reason. I think it's really important. I think this is crucial for coaches here. I think – that it means a lot to players when they hear why, rather than say, put on your suit and tie, we're traveling, right? That just seems like a coach-coach. You're just doing this. But if you can say, hey, listen, here's a lesson we're trying to learn, I think it means a lot more to young people.
2: Yeah, so in the preseason, you know, coaches that are listening, I think an important takeaway is – as you're going through your thought processes with yourself, with your assistant coaches, your offense, your defense, how you're going to travel, how you're going to show up in team meetings, how you're going to show up in the classroom is to what TJ just said, are you teaching them the why or are you just telling them the what? You know, coaches are really good at telling the what. I think the special coaches are really good at the why and even the how.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think it also translates onto the court. I mean, I think – When you're laying the foundation for your preseason on on the quarter, let's just see even the weight room. Like I think we set a tempo in the weight room, you know, like in condition. I don't even know it's how long or how hard, but I think you set a tempo for how you're going to do things. Like when we get together as a team, what kind of business are we about? And so I um, I think that it's important that coaches are aware of the different arenas they're in and the heartbeat of what's going on in there you know like what what does it feel like in the weight room what's missing from a championship environment or even in a film room or even in a meeting room you know what is this a championship environment when we meet are people paying attention are they taking notes are they not taking notes whatever you know whatever whatever you deem to be a championship environment and then when you step onto the court I think here's one of the biggest mistake I see coaches make on the court you know in basketball is and I was guilty of it this year myself is that uh you think that you're going to be good at everything like you want to try and be good at everything you're like well here's our game plan for offensive rebound here's our game plan for defensive rebounding you know here's what our uh, half court man's gonna look like here's what our zone's gonna look like here's what band, you know and before you say like at the end of the year like uh one of the biggest changes we'll talk about in the next episode is in the middle of the year we just said you know what we're gonna go back to our, our roots defensively and hammer down the basics and uh we went skipped those probably at the beginning of this year but I think at the end of the day part of the reason we skipped it is because and I preach this and I don't know why we did it but we we planned on being good at everything and that just doesn't happen and so I've got a process that we use in the preseason where we pick uh three things offensively and three things defensively that these are the non negotiables of what it's gonna be and three things in our culture that are gonna be non negotiable. And I think in the uh, preseason this year, uh, we had three things, but we had like eighteen bullet points for each one, you know, and it was mm-hmm. just kinda of like we lost our we lost our um our our, our direction as yeah, far as what we were doing. Yeah.
2: yeah, I mean I think, you know, if you think back to when you first took over at manual and you're establishing the program, and now you're, you just finished, what, year 11? Yep. Year 11, you know, and we probably have coaches that are, just took over a program, or they're 20 years in, and, you know, whether, when you're at different spots and your culture is established and the way of doing things established, it does make it easier from year to year, but to your point i think you can never no matter if you're in 30th year or you're ginorimmer and you won you know multiple national championships i think what you're saying and i think what i would say is don't skip steps yeah don't skip steps less is more
1: well you can you know, i i like and just to give a visual you know while we wrap up this episode is like yeah. you know when you lay the foundation to a house and you put down the 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 bottom and the base and well as soon as you start putting up beams and poles and the first floor and the second floor you can't go redo the floor you know you only get one chance to set the foundation whether it's with your culture whether it's with offense whether it's with defense you can't tear down the whole house and start over and so i think as coaches we spent a whole summer you know right like four months preparing for this moment learning you remember when we first started coaching mm-hmm. how many videos we'd watch and had it like there's a hundred things we wanted to do with yeah. players and you're so anxious to do all of that that you you um, speed up the process which isn't what you can't do you know the more you're a part of the process you realize you can't fast forward and uh, and i think that that's really important as coaches going into the season like you know if anything you know if you look back at our last 10 years we finished really well. Like we won 11 out of our last 12, 16 out of our last 18, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we've done that year after year and probably haven't always started the way I wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that's because we spent so much time laying the foundation and I think this year, one of the things I thought about in the beginning is, well, let's skip and fast forward, right? And it hurts you because you can't rebuild the house.
2: Yeah, you really can't. And so, you know, coaches, you know, hopefully you've gained from this is, you know, teach the why, don't skip steps. Lay a strong foundation like TJ's talking about. And, you know, I think, you know, I've watched TJ's teams, you know, play this out and watching other teams and been a part of it myself is, you know, lay that strong foundation, teach the why. And and uh, when you have that strong preseason of laying it, you know, I think you'll like the fruits as the season goes on. Yeah, so –
1: Coaches, uh, thanks for joining us in part one. we got part two coming up uh, in the next episode, so hopefully you're you're gaining from this. But we're going to move from the preseason to the start of the season, just take you on the journey um, throughout the entire season. And I'm sure this will bring up a lot of questions, and I'm sure a lot of your questions will generate other episodes. And so we look forward to getting your your questions. Check us out at at hardwood underscore hustle on uh, social media and let us know what your questions are. But uh, uh, for now we're out. I am TJ and this is uh, Sam is my guest today and we are the hardwood hustle. Look forward to seeing you next time.